Coach Talk is brought to you by Mesa Trophies and Plaques. All right, folks, thank you for joining us here on Coach Talk. We are joined today by head coach Jason Smits from Centenary College. Coach Smits, how are you going today? I'm doing very, very well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being coming back for a second time, Coach. Um, we must be doing something right. You want to come back, right? Yeah, it wasn't too tough the first time. I figured, what the heck, why not? Uh, you, didn't, you didn't grill me too hard, <laughs> so let's hope we do this time around. So today we kind of want to take a different approach on the show. We'll talk a little bit about recruiting, and then I want to get into that organizational side of looking at culture, team building, and things of that nature to kind of give an insight on that part. Okay. So let's get going. Um, we're just having a little background talk here. So you guys are out for break now, obviously. Um, yeah. COVID wrecking, COVID wrecking any havoc on you guys? Uh, we've been, we've been really, really lucky so far. Um, you know, I've had early in the fall, like we've been actually having really strict testing protocols in comparison to a lot of the small schools in the region. Um, you know, our kids right now, all fall had been tested every two weeks. Um, and then once we start up in January again, we'll have to be tested every week as part of the NCAA, uh, guidelines. Uh, we had some kids in quarantine early in the year before practice started. Um, and that was about it. Uh, you know, we've been pretty lucky on campus by and large that we didn't, uh, you know, have any outbreaks. We got through the entire semester, uh, without having to shut down, which is a benefit. Um, and we nice. got through our entire practice allotment so far. So that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. And that's, it's, uh, I've been seeing your posts on social media and everything of your girls out there practicing and everything. And you guys definitely have a leg up on a lot of uh, division three schools out there because most of them haven't been able to do a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, the NCAA changed the rules this year for us a little bit, which was fantastic. Um, I hope they keep it, but instead of just starting on October 15th and, it's a sprint to the games they get and you know, you get like 16 weeks over 17 or whatever. Uh, they just said October 1st start date, 114 days. Um, and it was fantastic. Like right now it's a coach's dream, right? We're going to have like 60 practices in before we play a game. I know the players hate it, but I mean, it's a coach's dream to be out there working on stuff all the time. Yeah. That's definitely got to be nice to be to have that option for you guys. So definitely great that you were able to take, take advantage of it. So, yeah, you guys will be back after the break for how long? So we get back Monday um, and then we will be able to practice uh, through December 11th. And then we have a SCAT conference mandated dead period um, from the 12th through January 3rd. And then we can start up practice again on January 4th. Um, you know, we had... We have so many schools like we're technically got through the semester, but we have a December term. So since my kids are all in December term, uh, we can practice and stuff like that um, because it's part of our first semester. Uh, but you have some schools that aren't in session at all after Thanksgiving. Um, so they just kind of made the compromise of, you know, you can go half in December instead of the full full December. Um, so it's a little bit 
more equal amongst institutions. Um, so yeah, we'll have 10 or 11 practices there. Um, then we'll get back the fourth um, and then we'll practice the fourth through the 14th and we'll tip off on January 15th, hopefully. How are you feeling about that January 15th day actually happening? You know, I think our conference has put in a lot of the necessary protocols that we need to have uh, to make it work. Um, you know, we did the adjusted uh, kind of COVID travel schedule. Um, so we could test yeah. one time a week versus three times a week. Um, so like when we play, uh, you know, like we open up with TLU, we play TLU on back-to-back days, Friday, Saturday, both at home. And then when we go on the road the next week, it's the same thing. Um, and that just allows us to do the one um, I don't know, antigen or PCR, whatever the heck one it is, I don't even know, uh, a week is if we're tier one. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, I think you're seeing some success happen with, uh, you know, the ASC has been playing already. So you have seen some success with them. Um, you know, the D one's kicking off this last week. A lot of it's going to hinge on that. And then, you know, as long as we can come back, uh, safe and healthy, but my players will all have, um, have kind of been told to get a negative test before even coming back to campus. Uh, just so we know. Um, and obviously, I know that can all have change within the course of five days, uh, but at least we have something in hand. So when we come back on the fourth, and then we'll have to test again that Wednesday and then the Wednesday after that. Yeah. So um, I think, like I said, I, I feel okay about it. Um, I feel like we'll get it in. I, our players have been kind of told, like, you know, you go home and you're you're around your family and that's it. Like, you may want to go run with your friends and whatnot, but this is not the year to do it. You know, just like I tell them, like, don't get me wrong. I'd love to be going to have a bite and a beer somewhere right now uh, or in January, but I'm going to be locking myself between the gym, my office, and my, my house and, and the grocery store. That's about the only four places I'll be at two of those two and a half, three months uh, or these next three months, because ultimately we we're all here for a reason. Um, and, yeah. you know, while everyone wants college experiences that or another thing, it's, if you're here to play basketball, you should have no problem sacrificing two months of your life uh, to focus on, you know, the team as a whole. Yeah, it's uh, definitely going to be a different atmosphere this year for students on campus and playing. I mean, I'm sure your your travel schedule has been cut down more than it would have normally been. Yeah, we're down to the 12-game conference-only schedule, so half of what we would normally play. Um, it's been a weird year, uh, but I think uh, at least my kids, or my players, you know, they've done a great job handling it. Um, they've, they've, you know, been able to get through the fall semester. I know it's it's hard when you don't see that light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I, I tell you what, about the end of October, uh, you could see like it was just like wearing on them. They're like, oh, dang it. Like we don't play for another three months or whatever it is, you know, and it's just like, yeah, I get it. But truly, you know, by the time finals get here, end of November, like it's January 15th, we'll be here before we know it. And that's what they didn't quite realize. And, you know, we finished the semester out with some really, or November out with some really good practices and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they've, they're resilient. It's amazing. Young people are far more compliant with COVID guidelines and stuff than adults, it seems like that. Um, and they're far willing, far more willing to make the necessary sacrifices that we need them to make. 
for us to push forward with this. I'm Dr. Timothy Hoover, and I'm taking you to the house, and I want you to come and join me every Thursday at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time on Taking It to the House. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephen Kerbin III, and I'm the co-host of Taking It to the House. Come on out and join us. I want you to bring some hot fire. Thursdays, 4.30 Eastern Time, Taking It to the House. I want you to come with us. Take it to the house with us. You want to, you got to burn? Something you want to share? You see our Twitter accounts? You can join us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. Come on, take it to the house with us. You got that hot fire? Something that stands out that you just know how to take to the house? Let us know on our Twitter handles. We'll be more than happy to read it on air. We want to hear from you. Bring it. So how has the NCAA's decision to allow that, I guess, for this year not to count against a lot of these student athletes playing time, as far as eligibility, how has that impacted your roster? And how you look at your roster for next year? Um, you know, I told all my seniors about it. Um, I'll be curious to see how many of them come back. But yeah, it's it's really the next two, three classes that are impacted by it. You know, yep. I mean, because even like I got two, two transfers this year that are juniors that I'm guessing they probably have a third year that they got to finish up school. Well, they get a free year back. Um, you know, and even. Yeah. If you really want to deep dive into the whole, uh, the big picture aspect of it, I mean, you could see D3 All-Americans in four years that are grad transfers somewhere else. And um, I look at it from my roster standpoint, uh, you know, I would expect one, maybe two of my five returners to come back uh, just because I think they have some school left Um, and I'll welcome them back with open arms. Uh, but I, what I think is the hard part is, you know, I've talked to a few kids and they're just like, yeah, you know, I just want to wait until April, wait till May, see if these offers come along and uh, they're not going to come. Like they're not going to be there. I think your, your lower levels, whether it's your D twos, maybe getting that D one level kid um, that trickles down and your D threes are going to get an NAIs, maybe get that D two kid um, and your junior colleges are really going to reap the benefits, but um, you're not seeing a whole lot of movement. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm on kids right now, mostly Louisiana kids that I probably wouldn't have been able to be on about a year ago. Um, and COVID is kind of part of that. Um, some of it is we've been able to get a little stronger uh, foothold in the state of Louisiana and getting some better kids over the last couple of years. But um, I think kids are crazy if they're waiting on offers. If they've got one, I I would I would highly we'll recommend take them taking it. <laughs> Cause it, it may not be there. Like it's um, you know, if you don't want to say yes now, uh, that's not going to be there in April. Cause they're going to find somebody that will take that. And I think that's who's ever advising some of these kids. Um, I would highly, highly suggest them if they've got full bolts on the table or any sort of scholarship offer on the table to take it. And then uh, honestly, even like for us at the non athletic scholarship level, I mean, I'm on 25, 30 kids. I've had 30 visits so far. And it's kind of like I'm waiting for these kids' financial aid packages to get out um, so we can, you know, hear yes or no. But I've kind of told them, it's like, you know, I don't put a timeline on anybody. Uh, but at some point in time, it's going to be, you're all rated relatively similar. It's going to be who's going to say yeah. yes. And it's the only people I'm going to take after that are girls that I know are 100% game changers. For sure. And, I mean, you're you're talking about – do you guys have a JV team? You don't have a JV, do you? 
we don't like we'll I've kind of said I, I like my top roster size is in that 18 kids uh, because I feel like you can actually run an entire practice with 18 in it but then you can schedule you know four five six developmental team games uh, you know we've got two junior colleges in the city that we can get games against and then you know, just other JV squads around the area. I don't want a full JV schedule. I don't want to have to run full JV practices. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's sometimes the only way to get better is to play games. So those kids that are 11 through 18 on the roster sometimes need to just get some run. And um, yeah, this year we can't do it. Too, too scheduled. We can't do it this year. Um, but it will – I don't run a true JV program. We just kind of run the roster with the developmental team. Yeah, and so and I mean, you just said it right there. So you're capping your roster off at you like to cap it off at 18. And yeah. if you've got five seniors that you were that were supposed to be gone, so that means you're really bringing in five kids out of the 30. Yeah, yeah, and then it's that's if none of those five come back, right? Now you got to yeah. assume you're not going to retain everybody, right? Like it's very rare yeah. that I I doubt I'll retain 13. But let's say even one of my seniors comes back, I lose two kids. Well, I'm down to 12 returners or whatever. Like six kids out of 30, like that's a pretty, that's a pretty accurate, you know, success rate. And that's just 20% up until November. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. I'm usually about that one in five, I think success rate. And that's only through November 28th. That's not saying anyone that I've got scheduled to visit in December or that will come around that, you know, we, we've added to the list here. Cause you know, I've reached out to another 10 kids today. I've got phone calls set up with them. It's like all that stuff is going to filter down or there's kids that are on the list that haven't visited yet. You know, there's probably 20 kids that I'm talking to that haven't visited quite yet. So you just, you just never know what's going to happen. And it's, um, I think some of these kids are, you know, they got to be willing to pull the trigger a little bit because that opportunity may not be there no matter what the level is. And that's kind of where I was going with this because at the end of the day, you're looking at six slots to fill, right? And yeah, you've bought in 30 kids, no commitments yet. So as a coach, you're going to go find 30 more. Exactly. Until you get exactly. those six. Yeah. Yeah. But the moment you get those six commits, you can stop. Yeah. And I don't you, think you the student athletes understand that. Here at the Howard Family Media Group, our focus is on entertainment, sports, both live and our talk shows. We look to bring you fresh new content each and every week as we continue to go forward with our programs. You can catch us on Roku, on our Facebook page, as well as our website, Fieldhouse Sports Entertainment Network. No, and like for me, it's, I guess it's nice at the D3 in the sense that I don't have to worry about the dollars I've got tied up, right? Um, so yeah. if I get six, and let's say there's like three, four kids that I've been recruiting since July that are just game changers, well, then I'll still sit on them. And I'll still maybe actively actively recruit them, but I've got to know that they're going to come in and they're going to contribute darn near right away. And, and I think that's the the piece that parents and student athletes don't understand. They think that, oh, this coach is calling me, they're recruiting me. And it's like, no, you're one of 30. Yeah. And the first one to commit gets the gets gets the prize. Yeah. And it's even, as you know, it's even more cutthroat when you go up to the scholarship levels. I mean, you may be yes, you may be one of three at that position that are all rated similar, 
and that offer may be out there, but it doesn't mean that an offer's not out to another two kids at the same spot, and then all of a sudden that offer's gone if one of them commits. Coaches are just like players. Coaches want players that want to be be there and play right. for them, and players want to play for programs that want them. Correct. So if I've made you an offer, I've showed my I've showed my want and your desire to be right. here, and then you tell me to wait. Right. Oh yeah, I'll wait for you. No, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, like I okay, any recruit, I tell all my players like I want people that want to be at Sydney. And I get it. It's a big decision and all that stuff. And we've got to wait a little bit longer because, like I said, you know, kids got to finish their applications. Financial aid pack just got to come out. Like, I understand it's going to be a little bit slower process for us to get that commitment. Now, those aid packages are rolling out. We should start hearing some yeses or nos here soon um, yep. from some kids. Um, but yeah, you know, like we want kids that want to be here. I know they want to be wanted, but to me, it's like, it's like that relationship uh, building aspect of it that when I know a kid gets on campus for a visit, then I know it's, it's serious because them and their parents took time out of their day and their lives to come and see what we're all about. At that point, I know that this is at least serious enough that I'm not sitting there feeling like I'm pulling teeth trying to get kids here, you know, like those 25 kids that have come to campus or whatever it's at now, they get a little bit more attention than everyone else because they've already taken the time yeah. out of their days and their life um, and made an effort uh, to be on campus. Um, and that doesn't mean that there's other kids that are popping up that I'm not, not really active on, but I'm going to pursue the kids that have been here first in hopes that, you know, they're, they're enticed enough because they're willing to come on in September, October, November. Um, but I would, I mean, if I, if I had, if I had a kid with dollars on the table from an institution, I don't care if it's one or two or 10, if it's D2, D1, NEI, I would, I'd be telling them, take that money and roll with it. Sign that NLI right now. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is I've heard parents say, oh, he's got this offer and this offer, but we're waiting to see if this school's going to make an offer. And my thing is, is like at that point, so if you're waiting to March, April for that offer to come, you were definitely not their first choice. Exactly. Like go somewhere. It's like the whole John Moran thing, right? Like go somewhere where you want it, you know, go somewhere where they actually want you. Like don't sit there and be waiting. I mean, yeah, sure. If, it, if your dream school is, you know, set institution and they're saying, well, if this person, does, you know, we'll wait and see, wait and see or you financially can just justifiably walk on. But I mean, go yeah. somewhere that the coaching staff wants you, that they've spent their time investing in you as a, as a, as a potential student athlete. Um, you know, if you got an offer on the table now, like don't wait, don't wait. Yeah. Go somewhere. Like, I think the John Moran thing is such a good analogy for that. Right. Cause he chose Murray state cause they wanted him. He didn't wait around, wait around, like go where you're wanted. Um, and be successful where you're wanted.
Yeah, I, I think some of it comes to these kids and the parents want to feel courted. Like they think right. there's equity in it for them. The more offers that their son or daughter got, the more they can pound on their chest. Right. When in reality is yeah, I, I, just because I'm talking to you on the phone doesn't mean I offered, but a lot of parents right. think that. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a classic one. A lot of you ask a kid where they're getting recruited by and it's well, such and such and such. Well, well did you get like a camp invite? Like what, what do you mean getting recruited by it? Like, are you, are you talking to a coach? Um, and I think that's a lot of confusion with a lot of people. Like, if you're if you're not talking to whether it's an assistant or a head coach, like you're you're really not getting actively recruited by somebody. Um, you know, if you're just getting a camp invite, you know, those are going out to hundreds of thousands of kids a lot of times. Um, you know, especially your small schools, that's going out to everybody because that's a way for assistant number three to put some money in their pocket. Uh, they grad assistants to put some money in their pocket. Um, Yep. You know, heck, even for me, I'm not going to lie. Prospect camps are great for me because I can get, you know, up close eyes on a kid. So I invite a bunch of kids, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes it's a way for me to say, like, you know, I wasn't able to watch this team at an AAU tournament, but they've got, you know, five or six seniors on that team. I want to get eyes on them. And if they want to show up to mm-hmm. camp, great. Uh, and it's just a way for me and my assistant coaches to uh, really just get, up close eyes on them for an extended period of time, more than like a 10 minute window of an AAU game that we're just filtering around. Stuff, good stuff. Well, let's kind of segue here just a little bit. Um, so one of the things I kind of want to touch on is building that organization. Yep. So as you, so this is your year two for you there, right? Yeah, well, it's season three. I've been on the job okay. for about 25 months now. Okay. Okay. So, so season I feel three. Like it's year two, season three, but it's barely, it's like year two, you know, that first season was keep the head above water type of thing. Gotcha. So as you've went into building this program, what have been some of the things that you've done to lay the foundation for the culture that you want to have there in place? You know, I think I, I was really, really lucky uh, when I got hired by our now old athletic director, um, you know, that he gave me a, a lot of, um, I think, leeway uh, to kind of just build it how I how I felt needed to be built. And, uh, you know, one of the validations to what I think we tried to do or have been trying to do is this summer I was listening to Coach Yo from Ole Miss on a Zoom talk or whatever, and uh, you know, she said, when you're, when you're taking over a program that's been struggling or has struggled historically, uh, both you and your AD need to be willing to be bad early. Um, and that kind of stuck, that kind of stuck with me. Cause it's like, you know, I think you can always take maybe a, uh, a problem athlete, um, you know, from a attitude standpoint, off floor issues with grades, this, that, or another thing that may get you one or two wins. Um, but ultimately what's the difference between six wins and eight wins, you know, like if that kid's helping you go win a national tournament, you may view stuff differently. Um, but for me, it was just like, you know, I want, I want people that I want to be on the bus with, 
was kind of like the, the going to phrase. Like, you know, we spend way too much time with one another on bus rides, uh, film sessions, hotel lobbies, team dinners, this, that, or another thing uh, to not genuinely want to get a, get along with one another. Uh, so for me, it was ultimately just, you know, that's that was a recruiting pitch. Like, you know, I want people that want to be at Centenary, um, you know, and I'll treat them like they're a member of my own family. Um, and I think that was such an important thing that, you know, the kids that weren't willing to buy into what we were trying to do as a, as a program and a staff as a, and as a team, uh, they just weren't welcome back. Um, and I got lucky. I'm not gonna lie. My first recruiting class, while we, we lost a ton of close games last year, just didn't have the depth in the right positions. Um, I just got lucky that they were all willing to be those type of people. Um, and that's carried forward a little bit this year. Um, so far, we haven't quite gotten to where I wish we would have been, but a lot of that is just because we haven't had those organic situations of bus rides and, and stuff like that to really, yeah. really have just that organic team bonding. And even now it's harder to do forced fun team bonding because you have all these darn restrictions on group sizes and this, that, or another thing. Um, so we have to try to find other ways to do it. But I think the biggest thing is don't compromise in what your core values are. Um, don't try to compromise who you are and what you want the program to be going forward. And that's, that's gotta be the foundation that you try to lay going forward. talk about culture you talk about team building so what are some of the things that outside of practice that you guys have tried to do because of the current the current climate to do that team building and to create some of those relationships that will hopefully carry over to the floor during games uh you know this year's such a weird year obviously i'm a fan of organic situations because i think those provide the best relationships right um, so we've had to try to kind of force those upon them at times. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I, I'm blessed with some upperclassmen that are really, really good at kind of controlling stuff or not controlling stuff, but handling all that stuff for me. So a lot of times it's like, what do you need for me to do what you want to do? Uh, so like they did a corn maze haunted house thing over, you know, it was all outdoors. So we were able to do that over uh, 
Halloween there. Um, I know they've done like painting nights and stuff like that, where they just go gather in a large space and they do, I don't know, paint stuff or whatever. And it, it basically just comes down to what do you need from me? What do you need me to buy? Um, you know, I think dinners are always like a nice thing to do, but they've obviously got to be different looking this year. So sometimes it's like, Hey, let's pre-order food and let's make sure that we have a space on campus for y'all to, um, to eat at and spend some time together. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think going forward, we're going to, you know, ho- hopefully have some speakers come on zoom calls with them here as, as the season gets closer and closer about, uh, you know, team building and, and servant leadership type of stuff. Um, so we can really begin to sacrifice for one another. Uh, last year, I'm not gonna lie, we were far better at it. You know, we just did some community service projects that were really, really great for us. This year, I'm just trying to kind of have our little bubble over over the team, and we're not we're not doing as much of that, um, which stinks because it's something that fills my cup, and I know it fills their cup. Um, but you know, we just kind of try to have to focus on what we can right now. Um, so. I'm a big fan of the organic stuff. Um, I'm not a very, you know, cliche. Um, I'm not good at like some of those cheesy activities. I think my players would kind of laugh at me if I decided to start throwing some of that stuff at them because I've tried and it failed miserably before. Um, they all just kind of like, what are you doing? Uh, but hopefully we're going to have some speakers come on. Uh, you know, we did one really good uh, Zoom speaker with one of our professors on campus this fall talking about diversity and inclusion and stuff like that. And I thought that was really, really beneficial. Uh, I'm going to have uh, Dan Horowitz who wrote, I can't remember the name of the book off the top of my head, but he's going to uh, come in and do a zoom. He's going to do a zoom call for us here after Christmas, after I get a chance to finish this book and just kind of talk about, he's going to watch game film from last year and be like, Hey, this is what you all did really, really well. This is stuff that I can see on the floor that you got to continue to do. Um, I keep saying, I got to get my buddy, my buddy Brent, who I, I'm growing the beard out for, come on. And, you know, he's a dude that's been at battle stage four uh, sarcoma for, for four years now. And uh, he talked to the school when he, he talked to our team that at the University of Mary, where I was at prior to come down here, um, just about servant leadership and, and what it means to him. He's a high school basketball coach and he's, he's still doing it. And, you know, he's battling brain cancer and this, that, or another thing. And, uh, to me, uh, you know, it's like, that's what being a team is, right? Like you got to, you're serving each other to help lead each other. Um, and I think just a, yeah. talks like that will ultimately hopefully resonate with them. So that's all stuff I just need to continue to do going forward.
we'll, we'll finish this up here. You kind of touched on it just now. So um, I'll, I'll allow you the, the opportunity to uh, shed some light on the beard and everything, if you, if you want, if you like. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My buddy Brent to Cook, uh, one of my best, one of my best friends. He's uh, coaching buddy going way back uh, here now, um, about four years ago now. He actually found out he had uh, a brain tumor and uh, went down to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester and uh, they diagnosed it stage four sarcoma, been battling it, chemo for years, for all four years now, in and out of chemo. Um, I was actually down in Houston uh, about a month ago trying to find some clinical trials because they've, they've kind of run out of options because like the chemo will fight it and things will start looking better. And then as soon as I get off it, um, it'll, it'll come back. Um, so a bunch of us, uh, a guy back home, uh, organized Brent's Bearded Brigade. So a bunch of us in the coaching community from Bismarck, North Dakota and, and the state, um, <clears throat> all decided to grow our beards out, uh, for Brent, but he's an amazing dude. Um, like, I think it was like a week after he had his brain surgery, he was actually on the sidelines coaching again, um, in a rivalry game. So wow. it, was, it was pretty cool to see it. Uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely somebody that's, you know, just meant a lot to, to me and my coaching journey. Um, and just as positive as he can be through all of this and to understand that, you know, he's still coaching high school boys basketball. Like he could be, he could be sulking. Uh, you know, he's got three little kid, young children. Um, and, and his whole goal in life right now is to make sure that he's, you know, fighting for them and, and fighting for his team and stuff like that. And, and I think if we all can kind of take that perspective and, and realize like, Hey man, this, this dude's going through anything and anything that you could. Um, and he's still able to have a positive outlook on life. Um, that there, there's nothing we can deal with that we're dealing with. That's probably as tough as that. Right. Um, so it's, it's something that was near and dear to my heart when, when I saw it get posted that this is what people were doing. So I, 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 I had to, I had to hop on board with it. It's, it's getting pretty scraggly at this point in time though. <laughs> seeing the salt and pepper coming in yeah yeah you know uh a little bit more gray every every day um every day but you know i was at my barber's the other day i'm like you can't do the beard trims trim scott you gotta 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 get through the month don't don't touch it up um, so yeah it's there's more and more gray every day you know i joke around when i the first gray hair i got in my beard was after a loss when i was a high school coach and i remember walking into practice the next day and i'm like this is all your fault so, uh, you know, that's the nice thing about the mask. It covers it up a little bit more this year, but um, we'll, we'll roll with it. It makes me feel distinguished, right? That's what they say about politicians when they got the gray in there. So I'll just, I'll roll with it. Definitely. Like well, Coach, thank you for joining us here today, taking some time out to drop a few gems. We definitely appreciate it and look to have you on again here in the future. Yeah, thank you again, Steve. It was awesome. It was a good time as always.